Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back to another fun episode. So fun. Our cases are always positive and great. And always solved with lots of resolution and everybody is happy. Yay. Woo. Just kidding. Today is an example of the opposite of that. <laughs> and you guys, I think subconsciously we like unsolved cases because we tend to do that a lot we could be called unsolved true crime new england this is very true truly we do a lot of them the vast majority of our cases i feel have been unsolved i agree luckily though for once our last episode was solved Mm -hmm. so we're not following a few in a row so that's great this is very true so starting afresh with an unsolved yep awesome how have you been, Katie? I've been good. Yeah? I've been, I've been kicking. Yeah, you know. Enjoying the nice weather? Yeah. I mean, it's been toasty, but it's been nice. We all know that I hate the, the warm weather. I know. It's, I hate it. I know. Ugh, it's the worst. And especially even though, you know, it's been a while since you went to Iceland, that's my weather, and I wish you could have transferred it over here. I'm not mad at you, <laughs> but it would have been nice. Just saying. <laughs> Oh, man. I know. I don't know how I did it last summer because I didn't have an air conditioner. Oh, God. And we had that heat wave last summer. Yeah. Was it around this time? I don't know. I I blocked it from my memory. It was so traumatic. I would, too. But I didn't have an air conditioner. It was, like, 90s. Mm. I think the coldest it got at night was, like, 78. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. 80s. That doesn't happen a lot here. No, that was really uncharacteristic. That was when our true crime-loving neighbors in the Pacific Northwest were also really struggling. Yeah, oh, that's right. Because they don't have air conditioning over there. It's very rare because their temperatures are so mild, like it's rainy all the time and it doesn't really get too hot. That was, I felt so bad. It was like hundreds. So hopefully, you know, we record these a little bit ahead of time. Mm -hmm. We're speaking wishfully here. It would be awesome if we could stop living through crazy weather events Back to back to back to back. Yeah, that'd be great. But that's what happens with climate change. But Katie, climate change isn't real. (laughs) Just kidding. It's real. It's just the natural weather patterns. We go through cycles. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Even so, July is not a fun month for me because it's so warm. Brutal. Don't like it. But I was lucky enough last week I went, um, I was on vacation technically speaking from Mm -hmm. work i my friend cole came like we talked about yes that was so much fun it was awesome it was so good so as soon as i dropped cole off at the airport i headed up north even norther than where i live and i (laughs) met my parents at a cabin they rented in bar harbor which they have gone to the i think this is the third year they've gone i've never i'd never gone so I finally was able to, I, it all lined up. Last year they went when I was taking my nursing boards, so I could not join them because I had to focus yep. um, and take care of uh, my cat and our elderly dog. And so I was very excited to be able to go up there. I fished with my dad. He's a fisherman, so it was really fun. Um, just being on a lake is a ton of fun. It's, it's always a little bit cooler. Because you're on the water, mm-hmm. there's ducks and loons, and it's just a great atmosphere. It's so relaxing. I don't know how many books I read, but it was probably at least two. Good. Which is great. And um, it was nice to just spend time with my mom and my dad, because I, you know, I'm a, I'm a wicked mommy-daddy girl. So it was nice. 
That's so nice. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's nice when you like your family. Yeah. You know, not everyone's so lucky. Yeah, it must be nice. <laughs> oh. But, you know. No, your parents are awesome. They are pretty They're great. so good. So it was a lot of fun. And I, I had a nice restful two weeks off of work. It just worked what? out that way. So I had oh. physically blocked off, like, my vacation that they, you know, pre-approved. Like, and that's yep. how it works. Everyone gets one blocked off you know, seven days. And then when you work nights, sometimes it works really nice. Or when you do nursing, typically, I know it's different at your work, but our shifts are 12 hours and full time is three days or three nights for me. So I was able to push it. So my vacation technically ended on the second, which is, uh, was the Saturday, but I made it so I could push off and not work until the Thursday, so I fit in my three days that are required, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. God damn So you. I was able to push it off, and it was great, and I was restful and excited, and... That is so nice. Not working. <sighs> it gets hot working as well. I wear scrub pants and a long black t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be a t-shirt, it'd be just a shirt. <laughs> You know, guys, bear with me. I've been relaxing too much. <laughs> you deserve it, though. Thanks, girl. You deserve it. I think the last time I had a vacation was about a year ago. Yep, that's so, right. Technically speaking, I did... It wasn't a vacation. I had nine days off um, work when my grandma died. And it just kind of... Because I took bereavement and then I got call, So it worked out really nicely. But it wasn't a vacation. Right. <laughs> it was awful. So... I needed one. I needed one. You needed a vacation after that. Bereavement is not vacation. No, 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 no. And don't let these company corporations tell you that. Like, oh, you get a certain amount of days for bereavement. Fuck you. That's for bereavement. I'm not sitting on my ass eating bonbons yeah, in the bathtub. Like, literally. what? I'm not partying. Like, Right, I'm grieving yeah, the I'm loss of someone. And, right? Yeah, it was awful. And like, I, we only get 24 hours for the year, I guess. So that's two for shifts. For bereavement? Yeah. So nobody else can die in my family or else I'm screwed. I know. Isn't that awful? And it got to the point so bad that I was hoping that like corporate, you know, corporate America, it's all so fucked up. I was like, it would be better if she passed away on my vacation. So I didn't have to, I wouldn't have to use earn time or be like that. That's how awful America. I don't know if it has to relate to America, but like it does. Yes, it does have to work, have to relate to America because they do not care about us as workers. They no. Oh my god. Yeah, it was not having to take sick time. Yeah. Is like pulling teeth in itself. Yeah, we get 7 days, I think, a year. Oh, that's special. And if you do more than that, it's like what's going on? Why have you taken 7 days? What 7 callouts or whatever? God forbid something happens, like yeah. I've only called out once in 1 year, and it was because my grandma died. <laughs> like um, I was apologizing. Like, I was on the phone. I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to call out today. I have to run to New Hampshire. My grandma's dying. I'm so sorry. And they were like, why are you apologizing? I'm like, I don't know. Because I'm calling out. I don't know. I, sorry. <laughs> sorry for apologizing. Yeah, literally. Oh, it's, I'm so bad at that. So it's just ridiculous. So long story short, I'm glad I got to take a little vacay. Yes, good. I'm glad for you. It was well-deserved, well-needed. Now I'm back on that grind. 
<laughs> the true crime grind. Yeah. The work too. grind. Yeah, we did it really nice for ourselves, so we had a little vacation. We d- Oh, yes. I know. I love when we do that. Yep. And you guys didn't know because the episodes came out as sketched, but we had a nice vacation. I think, what, three weeks we went without? I feel like we did. Something like that. And we won't tell you when it was, so... See, you guys, we really, we are so ahead of the game. Always. We don't want you guys going without. No. We would never. Christmas time only. And other, I mean, they're within reasonable yes. reasons, but we're, we're here with Usually you. we make it work. Usually. Mm-hmm. We are here with you. Okay, guys? Come on, hold my hand. <laughs> Just kidding. Um... Unfortunately, as we were alluding to in the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. um, this case is unsolved, as you can probably judge by the title. It's an it's a disappearance, arguably a abduction. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the abduction of Tammy Belanger. Yes. Um, who, of course, if you guys listen to, is episode 21, is my hometown, my personal, it's not personal but like it's you know it's the one that got me into true crime for sure it's pretty pretty similar i would say um age and likeness and all that so it's interesting but unsolved yeah heartbreaking as always and without further ado today we will be talking about the the disappearance disappearance of of janice pocket Okay, let's get started with our sources as we always do. Katie, hit me with it. Sure thing. I have the Hartford Current, Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, The Charlie Project, Grunge.com, who we've used before. They're pretty good. Yeah. The Journal Inquirer and Portal.ct.gov. Perfect. Love it. I had Unsolved Mysteries as well, The Hartford Current, Grunge.com, our friend, Substack.com. I went to Murderpedia, maybe once or twice. I also went to Wikipedia once. (gasps) I know. What? Isn't that crazy? I also went to the Journal Inquirer and the Resource Center for Cold Case Missing Children's Cases. Long title. It was like RCMCCMCC. I also found this great thread on Web Sleuth that dated back to 2004. Wow. Yeah, and it was um, 21 pages long of people typing and check, you know, typing things, and it included Janice's sister, who was commenting on it and giving information when people asked. So I have some of that as well. Sweet. Yeah, it was a good, good resource. All right, let's talk a little bit about Janice Pocket. Her mom called her Janny. Oh. I know. So Janice Catherine Pocket was born on October 15th of 1965. She was the pictures, oh my god. So cute. Literally the cutest thing. When this happened, she was seven years old. Had the cutest gap-tooth smile. Yeah. Like, it was so charming for, you know, like a classic little girl. And um, she had blonde hair and blue eyes, and she was just a cutie. And all these pictures, she has, like, her hair in pigtails. Mm-hmm. It's just very cute. Um 
She lived in Toland, Connecticut with her mom, Catherine, her dad, Ronald, and her younger sister, Mary. Mary was like a little, like a year younger than her. What we know about Janice is that she loved to play outside, mainly because she loved to catch little creatures and like toads and bugs. She loved wildlife. She also liked playing with her sister and she really liked riding her bike. Um, her family described her as always being in charge and confident, Oh, which I like. And I think little girls who have that personality go far in life. Like mm-hmm. that's a great trait to have. So that really ultimately describes how Janice was as a little girl, which is sweet and uh, makes it hard to tell this story a little bit. For sure. Because she seemed like a really lovely little girl. Mm-hmm. Full of life, full of adventure, you know. So, like we said, little Janice is seven years old at this time. She was last seen leaving her family's home on Anthony Road in Tolan, Connecticut on July 26, 1973. Her plan was to ride her bicycle. It was metallic green. It had a bell and a banana seat, which is like that classic. Classic. So cute. (laughs) She was going to ride her bike through her neighborhood because she wanted to find a dead butterfly. She caught the butterfly and left it on top of a rock just two days before on a walk with her sister. So she she loved creatures, like you mm-hmm. said. She loved her bugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at my collection of <laughs> dead displayed bugs right now. She's a little girl after my own heart. <laughs> So she wanted to go back for this butterfly that she found Mm -hmm. and bring it home and show it off for her collection, which I can fully respect. Oh, absolutely. So like the little want-to-be entomologist that she was, she brought an envelope with her to put the butterfly in so she could preserve it. Yeah, that's smart. How freaking cute is that? I know. And, you know, the Web Sleuths page that I found was so informative because... Her little sister, Mary, she was six at the time, and Janice was seven. She remembers the day pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. She says that, you know, that day they went, they had just come home from grocery shopping with their mom, and they were, you know, she and Janice were fighting about, like, the toothbrushes they bought, Aww. like, who gets what, and then Janice was kind of frustrated, and she asked her mom, can I go get that butterfly? And this was the first time her mom let her ride her bike alone, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And I feel like that always is how it goes in these stories. You know, it's like the first time they can walk to school alone or whatever. Um, so unfortunately, that is the case here. So this was around like 3.30 when Janice was like, can I go get the butterfly? Her mom gave her that envelope and she went on her way. The rock in question was not far. She was not going far at all. Mm-hmm. So much so that by the time half an hour passed, her mom was concerned because she definitely should have been back. So it was very close. Obviously this, you know, the half hour, it's now like four o'clock and she's still not back. So Mary and her mom, Catherine go and they're like, okay, let's look for Janice. She probably found another toad or whatever. Right. And so they walk there, they, you know, they go on their way to that spot and they find Janice's bike. And it's facing towards the house in the direction of home. And it's on its side. And it's in the spot that they thought it would be. Because mm-hmm. the location of the little butterfly that she 
wanted to save was a few feet, like, you know, a little bit into the woods near like a stone wall. So they assumed, you know, that's exactly where her bike would be if she got off it to go into the woods. Um, you know, her mom and her sister followed this path and Janice was nowhere to be found, mm-hmm. which is heartbreaking. For a little six-year-old girl to be so concerned about her sister yeah. and have to go look for her. Yeah. Oh, my God. The spot that they found her bike, it was on Rhodes Road, which is kind of a funny name, <laughs> near a wooded area. It was less than a mile from her home. Yeah, it was Less very than close. a mile. Like, she should have been there and back mm-hmm. within a few minutes at least. Oh, yeah. They never found the butterfly, and they never found the envelope. Mm-hmm. So this led authorities to believe that Janice was headed home with the butterfly when something happened. Yeah. And it's actually interesting because um, there were two witnesses that drove down that road at around the time, like after, you know, four, in between 3.30 and 4, that claimed that they saw the bike. So the first witness was a woman who said she was driving down it's a curvy dirt road is what it is and um she was driving down the road she came upon a bike in the side of the road she stopped for a second because she thought a kid was going to run out um but nobody did but she noted that the the bike was facing away from janice's home like she had you know rode it there got off and then left it and she was in the woods so janice's sister mary later guesses that this is probably when Janice was in the woods getting the butterfly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the woman left because nobody came by. No child, you know, ran out in the road. And then it seems like probably two minutes later, a man was driving down the curvy dirt road. And he noticed the bike. And he saw that the bike was facing Janice's home. Hmm. So what it seems like is that Janice got there, went in the woods, got her butterfly and the envelope, which explains why it's missing. Mm -hmm. And then she was on her bike going home when she was either coaxed or forced off her bike and abducted, is essentially what they're guessing here. Yeah. Because these witnesses are sure, they're positive, that the bike was facing away and then towards. Wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? Such little details in such a short amount of time. Someone got her, probably. That's what it sounds like. I think it's the most realistic. For sure. Yeah. That is so sad. I know. It's awful. And so obviously, you know, before those witnesses were even known, Janice's mom and Mary, they're like, oh my God, where is Janice? By the time they get back home, her dad, Ronald, is home from work, and they call the police because they're like, what the fuck? is going on. Where is Janice? She went to get a butterfly. Right. And of course it was the first time she could go on her own. Oh my God. Isn't that always how it happens? So of course, when a seven year old girl goes missing, there's going to be a huge search. Oh yeah. No one found any trace of her on any of the searches that they did. No. Um, they searched for several weeks Over 800 people helped search the area. Police even searched for her on horseback to see if they could spot any bike tracks or tire tracks or anything that could have been overlooked on foot. Yeah. They went door to door. Mm -hmm. Nobody saw anything. It was like the perfect opportunity for whoever took her 
perfect timing. He had a very thin, short window, and he found it. So, of course, like you said, there's no evidence found, just mm-hmm. her bike. We know that it was most likely she was heading home. We can assume that from the direction of the bike mm-hmm. and the fact that the butterfly in the envelope were nowhere to be found. She probably had it in her pocket or whatever. That's all we really knew and know now. What they did know was that they could rule out a familial abduction. It was very obvious that this was a stranger abduction. Mm-hmm. And they could very obviously rule out that it was a, she was not a runaway, which I know is their first thought every time. And sure, maybe it's happened once or twice, but she's seven years old. Where's she going to go? She's not running away. Right. It's, that would be a ridiculous claim. So the best theory is that she was probably coaxed off her bike. Probably with that classic, can you help me find my puppy? Or I have candy. And just because it, it's the 70s and that's mm-hmm. how it worked, unfortunately. Stranger danger wasn't really a thing back then. Right. And it wasn't unheard of for children to walk to school by themselves or go ride their bike by themselves. Right. Or, you know, there really wasn't the concept of, like you said, stranger danger or... You know, you have to travel in groups, always stick to a trusted adult, don't talk to strangers. There was none of that. Yeah. It was just, la-di-da, go on your way. I'm going to give you some change. Go to the corner store and get me cigarettes. Like, there was no sense of any of that. Yeah. It's... It's so sad. And it's so crazy how that bubble of safety can be burst with a thing like this. Like, that family must have been devastated yeah so quickly their lives changed Mm -hmm. and i you know it's one of those awful things and it's the same with we've heard it with other abduction stories i mean for example episode 21 tammy belanger's Mm -hmm. abduction you can only assume that what happened next um it's horrible i hate to assume it but theoretically and with evidence of how this kind of thing happens, it makes sense. Yeah. I'm not optimistic that she lived for very long after this day. Um, I just wish that they could have found anything. And uh, unfortunately, uh, this July, when this episode comes out, it'll be almost exactly 49 years. Wow. Since Janice disappeared. Yeah. Yep. That is way too long. Way too long for nothing, for no justice. Her parents have since passed. Mm-hmm. Her mom passed away. I want to say it was in sometime in the 2010s. Um, so it's just no answers. Oh, that is so sad. It's just awful. At the time of her disappearance, Janice had a gap tooth smile. That is so precious in all yeah. of her pictures. She had blonde hair and blue eyes. She was last seen wearing navy blue shorts with an American flag and star design, a blue and white striped pullover shirt, white socks, and blue sneakers. She was exactly four feet tall and weighed 65 pounds. There's going to be an age progression photo, an estimated age progression photo, up on our Instagram and our website. The Center for Missing and Exploited Children, they try to update these photos every two years up until they turn 18. Mm. And then after their 18th birthday, they try to update them every five years after that for accuracy. Um, 
What they like to do is they ask for a photo archive, if possible, from family members. They like to have photos of the child's parents so they can kind of predict what the child might look like in adulthood. Right. And Janice's sister, Mary, said that they sent them photos of their parents in their 50s to help with the age progression because it's oh, been that long. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. How That's awful. so sad. So sad. I know. How awful. Oh, my God. And unfortunately, I know, obviously, I just said that she's never been found. But even as far as, like, suspects, there's been no official charge on anyone and only a few suspects that looked good. There's two suspects, most famously, that the police were like, okay, maybe. The first one was Charles E. Pierce. Now this fucker, oh my god. In January of 1999, so this is over 25 years after her disappearance, a convicted felon and child killer named Charles E. Pierce, like I just said, made a startling deathbed confession to the police, right? He was 78 years old at this time, suffering from cancer, and he was already serving a life sentence in prison. Mm-hmm. For what, you may ask? Charles murdered 13-year-old Michelle Wilson in March of 1979. And in 1980, he was sentenced to life in prison. And that's what he was serving that time for. So he had been in jail for 20 years. He was sickly. He was old. Bleh. When he was on his deathbed, he did that thing that we see in the movies. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, wait, I have something to tell you. <laughs> and he, quote unquote, confesses to several things. Mm-hmm. One of which is Janice's abduction and supposed murder. Now, you know, it kind of made sense because he was convicted of the murder of a 13-year-old girl. Which, yes, 13 is much older than 7, but like for a child killer, not really. Right. It's a good age range for that. Um... In March of 1981, so Charles isn't even sick. This is right after he's sent to jail. He tells police that he's responsible for the death of eh, 15 to 20 children. Yeah. He says that he's been doing that since 1954. Oh my God. So we have one of these guys. Yeah. And then he name drops a whole bunch of missing children that are in, honestly, the New England area. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the children he names is William D'Souza, who was from Chicago. He named Mary Alunchuk from Maine, who was a very famous Maine case. Yes. And then he named Janice. Janice Pocket. Now, when he made this claim, there was no evidence to support it. There was no background to support it. Mm-hmm. It was just him making a claim. Now, none of his confessions, I'll be honest, right up front, checked out. This is while he was on his deathbed. He claimed to have killed a little boy whose name he did not know from Lawrence, Massachusetts sometime in the 70s. And he, you know, made a claim that he buried two kids, you know, near each other and gave the police a specific place to look. And they brought cadaver dogs, they did all this, and there was nothing there. But they suspected that maybe he was 
responsible for the death of 10-year-old Andy Puglisi, who went missing from Lawrence, Mass. in 1976. He has also never been found. Um, There's a lot of great media about Andy. There's even um, a documentary called Have You Seen Andy? Um, So there's a lot of stuff. We'll probably cover his case someday because it's very interesting. But he was making these claims and none of them panned out. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay. It just, he clearly was doing what, if any of you know Henry Lee Lucas, who is the confession killer is what they call him because he confessed to over like something crazy, like 3,000 murders. And he was in jail for one murder and then they like disproved that. Like he was a complete liar. And um, it sounds like Charles was kind of like that. Of course he was on his deathbed, so Mm -hmm. he was a little cuckoo. Um, after he made these claims, Charles died pretty soon after, and, um, he was never charged for anything but Michelle Wilson, the 13-year-old, um, and that was it for Charles. He died in 1999, like I said. Bone fragments of a child were found in a garage that belonged to a man named Nathaniel Barjona. He was charged with the 1996 abduction and presumed murder of a boy named Zachary Ramsey in Great Falls, Montana. Hmm. So at first we're thinking, how is there any kind of connection to this guy in Montana? Mm-hmm. I was thinking that. <laughs> so Janice's name came up in connection to Nathaniel when the bone fragments were found and his criminal history was aired out. Mm. He had actually served a prison sentence for the abduction and attempted murder of two boys in Massachusetts in 1977. Hmm. Authorities put two and two together, and they figured out that Nathaniel had actually lived in Webster, Massachusetts in 1973. Mm -hmm. So, you know, closer to home, closer to Connecticut. Turns out Webster, Massachusetts is 20 miles from Janice's hometown of Tolan's, Connecticut. That's pretty fucking close. That's a little too close for comfort, if I would say so myself. Right, I agree. So some people don't like this theory so much because Nathaniel would have only been 14 years old at this time. Mm -hmm. However, when he was 14, he was accused of strangling another child. Mm. And this child was younger than him by several years. Yeah. So I feel as though he cannot be completely ruled out. No. Um, You know, a 14-year-old teenage boy versus a little tiny gap-toothed seven-year-old mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't know i don't like it i wouldn't put my money on the seven-year-old mm-hmm. and he's a big guy he was a big yes. guy yes yes he really was um there have been some accusations that nathaniel practiced cannibalism i saw that he was actually found guilty of two unrelated counts of child molestation in montana in february of 2002 mm. but don't worry oh. He claims that he's innocent of all charges against him. Oh, well, good. Thank God. (laughs) You know what's crazy, too, is that the bone fragments that they found, they did test it against Janice's DNA. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was was not a match, but they did try. They did. Another reason that they thought he maybe was a cannibal is because they found human hair in his meat grinder. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. I know. Isn't that... Oh, that's foul. Yeah. Like, what? There's no excuse to have that in... Something's wrong. I imagine it wasn't just, like, a strand of hair. Like, it, it falls oh, off and you God. weren't wearing, like, a hairnet. 
but like a clump maybe? something's going on yeah that's not, oh jesus that's not a good man no police believe that he's probably killed many children throughout his life <sighs> i mean he was literally a child predator oh for sure if he's strangling another child at the age of 14 oh my god yeah he's not something's going on yeah and just want to point out his real name is david brown he changed his name i think his full name that he changed it to was nathaniel benjamin levi barjona i don't know why he had to claim all of those names red flag leave some for the rest of us because that's a lot (laughs) and um yeah he was just he like you said he'd been causing trouble his whole life Mm -hmm. and on that web sleuth article you know thread i found um again like i said it went all the way back to 2003 so there was constantly like updates and you know and janice's sister was active on it and she said that she knew this was i don't know this was in the 2000s that she knew that the police were gonna question barjona but they were waiting for him he was making an appeal so they had to wait until it was over and then before they could interview him he died of a blood clot in 2008 so really they didn't have any there's no conviction and there was no real evidence that he had anything to do with Janice besides the fact that he lived 20 miles away mm-hmm. at the time of her disappearance and that he was already violent and mm-hmm. not so. How unfair is that? He was only 51 when he died too. I know. How Sorry. unfair. That's ridiculous. Uh, it's just so sad. I know. Interestingly enough, in 2001, before he died... Um, a handwritten list was discovered for, that was written by Barjona, where he named multiple victims, but no evidence was ever tied to him in even those cases. So, is it another Charles Pierce where he just right. says, oh, this, this, that, because he's proud of it or he wants to take credit? Maybe. Probably. <sighs> it's so frustrating. I know. And I hate that he died so young. Mm-hmm. before any questions not even just for janice but whose bone fragments were those exactly right what the fuck yeah i don't know it's ridiculous unfortunately like i said to this day janice has never been found and nobody knows anything mm-hmm. and it's likely that whoever did take her probably is dead as well yeah i would bet The woods where Janice's bike was found have now been replaced by a school and a recreation center, which always frustrates me because it's like any little tidbit that could have been missed is now completely gone. Yep. Janice's sister Mary is still holding out hope and states that she wants to, quote, bring her home to rest in peace with my parents. Oh, my God. Mary also said that she thinks about her sister every day. And she stated, every time I see a butterfly, that is my sister. Oh, my God. Anyone with any information on the disappearance of Janice Pocket is asked to please call Detective Jenna Lee DeCoco. Her phone number is 860-896-3243. You could also call the Eastern District Major Crime Squad. Their phone number is 860-896-3230. Awesome. Great. Yeah, and that's the disappearance of Janice Pocket. Yeah. It's hard and it's sad and it breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. But there's still no answers after all of this time. Her poor sister, too. Oh, I my know. God. She's been looking ever since. So sad. Yeah. 
If you guys know anyone who was in in or around Tolan, Connecticut in 1973 at the time of Janice's disappearance, please contact that number because anything helps, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to talk to us about this case, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at truecrimeny. All lowercase. Or you can find us at our email, which is truecrimeny at gmail.com. You could also head over to our website, truecrimene.com. You could head over to our handy-dandy submission tool. You could be anonymous if you so choose. You could tell us who you are if you so choose. Either way, we would love to hear from you, whether you have questions, comments, concerns, cases you'd like for us to cover from New England, please. And yeah, we'd just love to hear from you. We really would, and we would really appreciate it. If you could take the time to go rate and review our podcast, either on Spotify, where you can give us stars, or on Apple Podcasts, where you can give us stars or write a review, or both. We really appreciate it. If you haven't, if you will, if you won't, we appreciate you. You listened, so we appreciate you. Yeah, and uh, with that, we'll see you next week. Bye! Goodbye!